2: You're listening to the Lit Up Lightworker podcast, bringing you fun and soulful interviews with spiritual teachers with the aim of tuning you in and lighting you up with your host, George Lizos.
0: Lightworker, welcome to another episode of the Lit Up Lightworker podcast. Before we get started with today's episode, I'm excited to tell you that my second book Lightworkers Gotta Work, the ultimate guide to following your purpose and creating change in the world, is out now and you can order it globally on Amazon. If you're feeling the call to help make the world a better place, but you don't know where to start finding and following your life purpose, I wrote this book for you. It's packed with processes, rituals and meditations to help you turn on your light and get it to work, so that together we create a better world. When you order the book, you also get a two-hour live masterclass with me entitled Life Purpose Bootcamp, during which you'll get to find and define your life purpose in a specific two-paragraph definition. And you can visit lightworkersgottawork.com to get all the details. In today's episode, we're talking about a new way of understanding astrology. And I want to start with a funny story. A few months ago, I decided to order a 2022 astrology business report from one of my favorite career astrologers, and she needed my exact time of birth, so I naturally called my mom. My mom said she thought that I was born at a specific time. And being pedantic as I am, her guess wasn't enough for me. and so. The madness had begun. Firstly, I called the clinic I was born in who told me they had lost my birth card. Then I called the doctor who gave birth to me who asked me to call my pediatrician. I called my pediatrician who burst out into uncontrollable laughter when I asked him the question. Long story short, I couldn't confirm my time of birth, but I've decided to trust my mom so I don't go crazy. Now, this whole story got me thinking whether I was approaching astrology in a rigid, overly controlling way, and clearly I was. But I wanted to learn a new way of going about it, a different way of going about it. Bess Matassa is the author of The Numinous Cosmic Gear, and I love the way she teaches astrology. Rather than obsessing over the details, she approaches the matter from an intuitive and psychological perspective. So specifically in this episode, you'll learn the meaning and interactions between the signs, the elements, and the planets, how to read your birth chart without getting overwhelmed with all the details, ways of using astrology in your daily life, and how to plan your year using astrology. In the end, Bess also shares some astrological predictions for 2022 and beyond. Once you're done listening to the episode, make sure to come within your Spiritual Toolkit Facebook group and let us know what you thought about it. And without further ado, enjoy this episode with Bess Matassa. Bess PhD, is a New York-based astrologer and tarot reader who serves up mystical self-inquiry with a side of play, poetry, and pop music. She's a co-author of The Numinous Astro Deck, the author of Zodiac Signs, Leo and Virgo, and The Numinous Cosmic Year, your astrological almanac, and has been a celestial consultant for platforms and institutions including Teen Vogue, Almay Cosmetics, Ace Hotels, and the Rubin Museum of Art. Bess, welcome to the Lit Up Lightworker podcast.
2: Thank you so much, George. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: I'm so happy to have you here to chat about your new book, The Numinous Cosmic Year. And before we dive into the specifics, uh, I'm just curious about what was the inspiration and the intention behind writing this book?
2: Yeah, so I think for me, astrology has always been this living language to really texturize our everyday experience. It's not something that's out there or distant, or, you know, I mean, it's as distant as the stars sometimes, but it also has this really textual immediacy. And so the way that I've used it more and more, astrology has been in my life since I was a little wee babe. But as I've gotten older, Really, what I've leaned into is the kind of experience of taking on each of these archetypes, each of the 12 zodiac signs, as they present through the wheel of the year. So, in January, really digging into Capricorn energy, in February, inviting Aquarius into my life. And, you know, I think it can feel a little bit. Um, tweaky and kind of like uh, overwhelming sometimes for people when they first get into astrology, because they're like, oh my God, what sign is the moon in today? What's this transit? What's happening? And to really kind of pull back and to include those kinds of details, but also to have this experience of like, wow, this is your little cosmic capsule collection each year. And each month as you know the sun transits a different sign, there's an invitation into a sensory experience of the world to kind of bring that alive and bring all of these parts of ourselves alive through the Wheel of the Year.
0: You know what? I love this idea of a 12-month journey focusing on the different signs because I'm one of those people that gets very uh, overwhelmed when I when I hear about all these moves and all these changes I can't keep up. <laughs> Like astrology was never my main thing but i've always been fascinated by it so i've tried to follow it but sometimes i get overwhelmed so just knowing that you know what i can focus on either the the moon cycle or just the the sign for this month and try to uh, embody the energy of that sign and let that sign guide me i think that's so exciting now i know you you framed it and you talk about the numinous astrology and you define it kind of differently from traditional astrology so of course I know the Numinous, I've written for the Numinous, the website, and I'm sure many of the listeners and and, uh, viewers have uh, read uh, an article on the Numinous. It's such a popular online platform. So what is the basis behind Numinous astrology?
2: Yeah, so I think it's definitely deeply informed by psychological astrology and Jungian astrology and all of that kind of inheritance that we have from, you know, great astrologers like Liz Green and, um, you know, sort of psychological astrology as it came through uh, the UK especially. And also there's this uh, kind of sensory angle that I think numinous astrology is bringing forward in this book that's very human and very immediate and so I'll give an I'll give a you know brief example of that if we think about something like leo energy and regardless of your sign each one of us has leo somewhere in our chart even if we don't have planets in that particular sign it's still part of us it's still part of our chart and so an embodied kind of sensory numinous engagement with leo might be like biting into a really juicy fruit or a juicy tomato and like having this juice kind of dripping down your chin or, you know, stepping outside on a humid day and realizing there isn't really a gap between you and the air, because Leo energy is all about this kind of art of exposure and this art of kind of coming closer to the world without uh, defenses. And so there's, I think, a kind of uh, playfulness with Numinous Astrology and also a kind of, um, assertion that these aren't just symbols it's not just like oh leo could be a juicy tomato it's like when you have this experience in your daily life all of these kinds of experiences it's the same way that we would learn a language where if i was learning to speak spanish i would look around and say what is that plant called in spanish what is this table called it's the same way with astrology because it's part of just the elemental world that surrounds us so i think that's really uh, you know what in part numinous astrology is trying to bring forward
0: I love it. It's essentially an embodied type of astrology, whereas you don't just perceive what's happening in the cosmos, you perceive how the changes in the cosmos are affecting you on a very felt level in your day-to-day life. I think this is fascinating and such a unique way to uh, to perceive astrology. Now, um, it's interesting that you talked about Leos because I'm a Leo, so I was just oh. fascinated. Oh,
2: <laughs> coincidence. I'm a Leo moon, so we've got a Leo sun moon thing happening
0: here. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. So I'm interested about, let's talk about the planets because yeah. I actually, right before we did this, right before this chat, I went online and I ordered my astrological chart like in a beautiful like frame way so I can like frame it in my wall and, and, and just get to know it. And while I was going through the different planets, I realized I have so many um so many sorry so many planets in Capricorn yes I have Mm. so many planets in Capricorn so how do we start understanding these planets for example let's say I have four planets in Capricorn what does this mean about me am I more of a Capricorn than I am of a Leo so what are the planets essentially and how can we start reading and understanding how their energy affects us
2: yeah so I think, in terms of you know, there's kind of three layers of astrology. well, I might say four um and you know, three of those are the planets, the signs, and then the houses, which you know, a lot of people, if they're starting to study astrology, get really tripped up when it comes to the houses. And so I'll just kind of break that down quickly. But I think something to remember, and there's a lot of sort of philosophical ideological reasons behind, I think why astrology has become so technically quote unquote, complex. And a lot of it, I feel like has has to do with like, It's this sort of post enlightenment inheritance of astrology and this need to sort of prove it and not be kind of positioned with religion and sort of ally more with science. And, you know, we could spend hours and hours talking about that kind of debate. But I think there's a real opportunity to sort of demystify that aspect of astrology when we remember that all we're talking about here is the four elements, you know, fire, earth, air, water. That's it. Every sign is connected to one of the elements, every planet, every house. And so, if you really understand the four elements really well, and just and you don't have to go that far to understand them, just turn on your stove if you want to understand fire. You know, look out the window at classing, uh, passing clouds if you want to understand air. And so, really remembering that when you start to study a planet or study a sign, just like dialing it back a minute and remembering that that's also elemental. So, to answer your question, um, you know, if each of the planets are kind of like the basic human urges, everybody has them. Everybody has a Moon somewhere. Everybody has a Neptune. Everybody has a Pluto. These are like our arsenal of basic like human motivations. You know, be that to love, be that to destroy, be that to excavate. You know, all of these kinds of uh, actions that that we as humans, you know, kind of experience through our lifetime. And then the signs are the flavors of how those get expressed. And then the houses are sort of the arenas. They're sort of like the action point. I I sort of describe them as kind of the countries through which the planets travel. And so, you know, thinking about your chart and having heavy Capricorn, and I imagine, I'm not sure how old you are, but I imagine that a lot of those are outer, might be outer planets. Um, like planets that kind of move a little bit slower. So outer planets, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, these are what we do, uh, term a little bit more generational in terms of planets because they move through the signs uh, slower versus our personal planets, which, you know, our sun, our moon, Mercury, Venus, Mars. These are very close to our specific chart. And that's not to say that the outer planets aren't meaningful, but sometimes it's more meaningful to look at them by house placement than it is necessarily by sign, because you and somebody within 14 years of your birth might share that kind of Capricorn placement.
0: Got it. But that's it, so interesting. So I'm just looking into my just chart. to just pull it up. So my Capricorn is in Uranus, Neptune and Saturn, which are these outer yeah. planets, right? I guess.
2: Yeah, um, Saturn moves a little bit slower every two, two and a half years or so. So that's a little bit more specific to you, but it's not nearly as specific as the moon, which is moving every two and a half days, you know, which is very specific to you. So I think just like broadly, when you're looking at your chart and you're noticing a concentration of energy, you're just asking yourself, it's not like, okay, it's not a personality thing or, okay, you're a, you know, Capricorn flavored person or anything. It's just a current of energy. It's just a point of saturation. It's a theme that kind of repeats. And so it's like, just even starting, even if you have no idea what those planets mean, starting to say, what's my relationship to Capricorn energy? What do I know about this energy? Do I relate to this archetype? You know, maybe reading some mythology around it or some stories about kind of Capricorn currents of energy and just saying, could I dilate a little bit? Could I open a little bit to this? How does it show up in my life? And just starting there, you know, and you can do it with your sun moon rising too. You can just say, you know, what's my sun moon rising? What are each of those signs? And then start to like kind of, like stage a party in your mind between those two it's like if you have gemini leo and aries what's it like when those three show up in a room like what what is that kind of feeling tone and so yeah just playing around with these archetypes as points of kind of saturation and themes in your life
0: i love that and i love that you talked about the elements because that's one of the things that i usually go back to because they're easier for me to understand because i'm i'm I'm, familiar with the elements. I work with the energy and the spirituality of the elements. So I'm like, okay, I'm thinking about Leos and then with a Libra and then we have air and fire. How do they interact together? And I sort of get a sense of that dynamic. Is it as simple as as that, like to start with? And how can we begin to understand the elements a little bit more deeper and how they uh, interact with the different signs and the planets. Essentially, mm-hmm. can we define a little bit the, the vibration, the frequency, the, the meaning of each of the elements?
2: Yeah. So we'll just go element by element. And again, this is not abstract. This is literal. So you know, if you want to understand fire, again, playing with striking a match, you know, turning on a lighter, turning on your car engine, um, going out and feeling how the sun feels against your skin, you know, fire. And I'm sort of going in the order of the elements as they present in the wheel of the year. The astrological year starts in March, you know, late March. So it starts in Aries energy. So Aries is a fire sign, so fire is the first element that presents, and it's very interesting too to think about that kind of call and response, why an element starts the wheel, you know, and then what the element is that follows it, and so fire is this principle of self-significance, of vitality, of creation, of something seemingly coming out of quote-unquote nothing. If we see fire appear, you know, we're like, how did that happen? You know, I struck this match, like it it doesn't logically sometimes compute, Um, so it sort of comes out of nowhere. It heats us its desire its will it's everything that we might associate with that kind of solar principle and then earth follows it taurus is the second sign of the zodiac and earth does exactly what earth does you know it holds form it creates ground it creates that kind of the touchable elements of life the tangible elements you know running our hand along things this is the realm of competence you know of carnality of our physicalized form on earth and then we proceed to air which disseminates, which breaks up, which changes, which is breath, you know, through our mouth and nose, which is light through a window, which kind of illuminates, which shifts, shifts our perspective. And then finally we have water, which is the ultimate in letting. You know water is our final in our first quartet of signs that present through the wheel of the year and it's also the final sign that ends the entire zodiac in Pisces, and this is about. Um, that kind of loosening the loosening of the boundaries between self and others and um, the emotional realm um, all of that kind of release and so. If we want to kind of layer the next layer onto that, we can start to think about each of the elements has three qualities of expression. So there's three signs that sort of nest under each element. And these are a cardinal expression, a fixed expression, and a mutable expression. And this is true of all of life. Cardinal is initiation. It's the beginning of something. Each of these signs, you know, Aries and Capricorn and Libra and Cancer start their respective seasons. They're the lead into that particular element. And then fixed energy stabilizes. It's the centerpiece of the season. It's when we have the fullest, kind of full up fat expression of that energy. And then mutable signs are the ones that disseminate and break up and lead us into the next experience. And they adapt and they shift and they mutate and morph. Um, And so we can start to layer that on to have a really rich understanding already of what each of these signs are. So if we just pluck one out of the ether, Gemini, we see that it's air so we know that it's about perception we know that it's about widening the lens of the breath of respiration of shifting and then we know that it's mutable um it's the final in that kind of trio i mean it starts it starts chronologically but don't you know don't get tripped up with that it's a mutable sign and so it's really highly movable in the air realm and so we can just like start there and start to kind of muse on that if that's helpful
0: Yes, very helpful. And I love how there are many layers to astrology and therefore you can always go deeper and deeper and deeper. While at the same time, you can just stay in the first layers and still get a very deep understanding of of how things are moving and of yourself, essentially. Now, out of all the planets, the moon seems to be the most popular one in in the lunar cycles. And it's something that we keep on following and tracking and we have new moon rituals and full moon rituals. Personally, because I'm a I'm a priest to Greek polytheism and therefore Greek paganism here in Cyprus, I I work with the traditional uh, Aboriginal religion of the ancient Greeks. And I as I was doing some studying into uh, the ancient Greeks honouring of the moon, I realized they didn't just honour the new moon and the full moon; they almost honoured every single day of the of the moon cycle. They had different rituals that they did at different stages, connecting it to different gods. So why has this preoccupation with the moon been so persistent over so many uh, years across so many cultures?
2: Yeah, I'm not sure I can totally tackle that question, but I will say that I think specifically in the US, at least as I've seen it manifest, You know, we've had, and I think in general in Western astrology, we've had kind of an over-reliance on the sun and the sun sign, you know, historically, which is why we've seen, you know, sun sign astrology, if people don't know really anything about astrology, they usually know their quote unquote sign, which is their sun sign, which is really interesting because I think we've like tamped down the lunar principle in many ways for years. And, you know, we could talk about, uh, you know, extractive capitalism and the engine of individuation and all sorts of, you know, uh, principles connected to that. But I think what the moon really provides us with is a sense of our nature, of a deeper sense of nature and connection to natural unfoldings. So if the sun in astrology, if your sun sign is a little bit more of that yang, that kind of like reach towards something, that development of your mission, this kind of like out. On the go, you know, it's connected, it's ruled by Leo. So again, we're in that realm of like exposure. You know, the moon is this protected space, it's this inner space of knowings, of not knowing how we know, but we know, you know, we might connect it to the intuitive function, which, you know, obviously we've seen an explosion of a deeper desire to kind of connect with that. And a lot of, you know, over the past, 20 years, certainly, you know, longer, but I think we're always returning to the moon because there is this sense that it's uh, it's a more bodily experience too, and it's a more uh, private experience of the world. And it's what we kind of, I, I always sort of joke about the moon. It's kind of like the kid in the car, you know, in our astrological chart that we've got to satiate, we've got to like sate them in some way and get them good before we can get everybody else to like, you know, move forward, because it's these this deep yearning core, it's this deep sense of like, who am I really, you know, behind closed doors, and also connects us to our natural unfolding cycles and right timing within us. You know, if we look at look at someone with a Capricorn moon, and someone with a Pisces moon, those are very different expressions of how things ebb and flow, you know, a Capricorn moon might be like, Okay, layer by layer. And here we go. And we're going to sort of stretch and we're going to feel our bones and this endurance principle, this unfolding over time versus Pisces might be very comfortable in cycles that are totally diaphanous or totally, you know, kind of out there and like fumbling around. And and we don't know, we're kind of following our, our hands along the edges of things and and the ability to kind of get lost in that. So I think it's it speaks to this intuitive realm. It speaks to our deeper nature and it Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.
0: You're totally reading me, by the way, because I'm a Pisces moon. So you just want oh. my star sign, and then my my moon sign. I'm like, this yeah. is perfect. I'm getting a reading. Great out of it. little
2: reading. <laughs> Amazing.
0: So let's talk about retrogrades because oh. the topic everybody loves to talk about. Now, I was just looking at my calendar, and at the start of every year, I just go through all the uh, the main astrological happenings, and just I make notes in my calendar just so I'm aware. Of course, we're all aware of, of Mercury retrograde. And, but I also have like Saturn in retrograde ends next week and Jupiter retrogrades as well is coming up that ends. So what are the retrogrades, first of yeah. all? And how do we begin to understand them and not be afraid of them?
2: Well, uh, I love that, not be afraid of them, because that's really where I begin with retrograde, because I think there's a lot sort of circulating, and it's starting to break up now in the larger astrological narrative, but there's a lot that has been kind of fear-based, I think, around them. For me, I'll also say, and I might stand a little bit apart from some other astrologers in this, but I don't pay a whole lot of attention to a lot of the retrogrades, and that's simply because a lot of them, especially the outer planets, they spend almost half the year in retrograde. So that's like if we want to talk about you know fear-based reality, whatever we'd you know are we supposed to hunker down for half the year and be like oh my god it's a retrograde you know Mercury retrogrades you know up to three times a year um, most of the planets spend a lot of time uh, in retrograde cycles the exception perhaps being Venus and Mars you know which take uh, I, I'm terrible with the numbers off the cuff but I think one of them retrogrades about every eighteen months and the other every couple of years um, so these are these are ones that sort of pop a little bit more. But largely speaking, I would say that retrogrades are, I use the example of like a slumber party experience with the planet. So it's like if you know the planet at school, you know, if you know Mercury at school, if you know Saturn at school, you kind of know this certain public face of that, how that planet presents in the outer world. And then a retrograde just sort of slows down our perception of that and invites it inside. So we have sort of a more personalized kind of fireside chat with with that planet. And that can be that we're doing a little bit more inner work around the themes of that planet at the time. Um, You know, it can be that we get this kind of private almost one-on-one experience where the retrograde is an, is, uh, an opportunity for us to be like, okay, how does that planet's themes, like how do they refract into my inner world? And so they're just sort of like whispered conversations with the planet versus like shouts and versus very externalized experiences of it. And so for me, there really isn't anything. I mean, I guess, you know, certainly some people, we all have different attunements to our inner world. So if you're very out, you know, kind of doing in the world, constantly sort of producing person, you know, maybe there's a certain like, kind of stickiness around what a retrograde is, but there's really nothing to be connected to fear. It's just a privatized experience. Think of it as, like, your private, uh, you know, lap dance with the planet or whatever, you know, your, your chance to sort of invite it into the back room and get a little bit more internal information about it.
0: I love that. Thank you for, for taking the fear out of it. I feel so much better about it already. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm at the beginning of the year. I'm just trying trying to plan everything, all my launches, ensure that a launch doesn't fall within a Mercury retrograde, and blah blah blah. But you know what? It's just another cycle. I mean, if we just uh, base everything on and. On the retrogrades, then we'll end up not living our lives essentially. So uh, I'm so glad that you got to talk about this and just help us understand it in a more um, in a more sensitive and nuanced way essentially. Now, speaking about planning, how do we approach planning for a new year with astrology in mind? Essentially, the book is a guide to, uh, to 2022, but also sharing principles uh, that are evergreen and can be used year after year. So h- what is your advice around, for example, we're nearing the end of 2021 right now. And lots of people are planning, especially uh, those of us who are entrepreneurs, we're planning what to do next year or what trips we want to take, what experiences we want to have. How do we start doing that without being so obsessed with it?
2: Yeah. So I think really starting with that evergreen element can really provide a lot of vitality and just learning, you know, if you're a beginner to astrology, or even if you're not re sort of seasoning yourself with these 12 signs of the Zodiac and each of the months of the year starts in the feeling tone of that particular sign. So January, we start in Capricorn energy and, you know, obviously the sign... The signs change, you know, toward the end of the month. So we're entering into Aquarius at the end of January. But that kind of initiatory energy of entering January and Capricorn gives that the feeling tone of Capricorn and then Aquarius, Pisces, so on and so forth. And so I think sort of looking at that larger apparatus that renews itself every year and thinking about, okay, what are my... um, You know, what's my attunement to each of these 12 signs? And it might be where I have concentrations of energy in my own chart, or it may be like, oh damn, like, you know, I've never really thought about Virgo. I I don't really have that marked in my chart so much. I I don't really understand what that is. And you know, September is always kind of a time where I feel a little out of whack. You know, maybe I can sort of study that a little bit more, kind of relate to that more. Because again, this is just like a little collection of 12 colors or lipsticks or outfits or whatever you want to call it. And so you've got your little wardrobe. And so I think setting up even before you go into kind of the nitty gritty of 2022, starting out and and also tracking yourself through time, like remembering, you know, is there a certain month of the year, you know, March, I always just feel, you know, what's that all about? What's my relationship to Pisces energy and kind of panning out a little bit and looking at what you've got in your arsenal, because in different moments of the year, we're called collectively to experience different, um, you know, aspects of the the human, uh, human life, lifespan and kind of experiential universal energies. And so starting there, and then maybe looking at, you know, a couple of the kind of outer planets that might be moving a little bit more quickly or we we call them sort of the transpersonal um, or the interpersonal planets, the social planets, Jupiter and Saturn. And these are the ones that move Jupiter, you know, moves every couple years, um, Saturn every couple years and change and looking at sort of where those two are maybe. And this is sort of the breadth of the chart of the year. This is like, if Jupiter sort of breathes out and expands us, Saturn sort of breathes, breathes us in back to our bones. So there's always this kind of rhythm that's happening of like expansion and then kind of bring it into the bone. And so looking at where that kind of breath cycle is too, just by sign, you know, next year we're in a cycle where we're sort of ending up Jupiter and Pisces and then we're moving that into Aries, um, which is a big, uh, I shouldn't say it's a big deal because, you know, Saturn moves and, you know but it's a, a big shift in energy. And then um, we'll have Saturn in, uh, sorry, I think I just said Saturn instead of Jupiter, but then we'll have Saturn in, you know, continuing its journey through Aquarius. And so, yeah, kind of touching in with that, um, you know, you can start to, if you're a big planner, you can start to go wild and, you know, look at the retrogrades, look at other kinds of transits. But I think really keeping it simple, you know, and quite honestly, you know, I've been engaged with astrology since I was 9, 10 years old, so over 30 years. And the older I get, the more and more I lean back into the 12 sign archetypes in their infinite complexity, because they provide everything that you need. If you want to understand Mars and the first house and, you know, transits of Mars and aspects between Mars, you know, all of that, you understand Aries. And then you peel that back to say, I understand fire. I understand cardinal fire. Um, And so, yeah, I think that's a really sweet place to
0: start. I love the flow that you bring into astrology it just makes me like, let go of a sigh of relief. Like, ah, uh, I don't need yeah. to do all of that. No, not <laughs>
2: just at all. To, like,
0: just, just step into the energy and let the energy of each sign yeah. guide me through the year. And totally. speaking of 2022 specifically, what is the general vibe? What are yeah. the, the themes that are coming up? What should we expect?
2: Yeah, so I think the general vibe, and this is an invitation, obviously, it's going to have infinite variations. And, you know, depending on your energetic body and orientation, you know, take this, take this with whatever, uh, whatever feels good to take out of it. Um, But I think the general vibe, I was really feeling into this a few days ago, and it's really kind of a bodysuit suit uh, energy in 2022. And I'll unpack a little bit how, what I mean by that. And I'm not gonna to use too much jargon, but uh, astrological jargon, but we are entering a new cycle of uh, on, on the nodal axis um, where the North node is shifting into uh, the sign of Taurus. Um, we have some Gemini energy activated numerologically through the year 2022 being a six year connected to the lover's card in the tarot. And then we have this shift uh, of Jupiter into Aries. And so these are the really young kids of the Zodiac, you know, Aries, Taurus and Jupiter are the first, or uh, Aries, Taurus and, uh, and Gemini are the first three signs of the Zodiac. So these are like the little playground babies. These are the primary kids of the Zodiac. And so there's an invitation. And when I say easeful, I don't mean easy because evolution often ain't easy, but there's a sense that 2022 is providing us with an invitation into creating more conditions of ease. Creating more conditions of primary sensation, of simplicity, of a kind of stripped down, almost bodysuit feeling of like, how can I kind of slip into the dressing gown, metaphorically speaking, that feels most easeful in this moment? So I don't have to layer, you know, 500 layers of infinite complexity onto a situation that doesn't need it or you know how can i kind of uh, access that feeling of immediacy in the world again that's not innocent without experience but that is a kind of rolling back or a growing down back into a simpler kind of expression of self and also i think that there's a kind of invitation around uh, especially that taurus scorpio sort of nodal axis shift around looking at what we what we've absorbed you know, up to this point in our lives, both Taurus and Scorpio are these energies that really hold and kind of bring down and in. And then Taurus energy sort of gives us these big blooms of springtime on the other end of Scorpio's capacity to compost and let things kind of die away. And so I think we're in a cycle too, where we're sort of like what am I absorbing from my environment? What have I taken into this point? What's living in my energy body, in my physical body? It's almost not to get like gross with the image, but it's almost sort of a metaphorical experience of like getting like an x-ray or a see-through and being like, seeing what you've eaten, you know, the night before that's like lodged in your stomach or whatever the thing is. And it's not, this isn't a year about like, you know, excavating your dietary plan or doing anything like that, this is a metaphor, but looking at like what you've taken in and what you're sort of storing and what doesn't need to be stored anymore. So I think both of those ideas, looking at that idea of absorption and then looking at that idea of like growing down and creating more conditions of ease and kind of lubrication this year.
0: Oh, we definitely need some ease this coming. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and definitely a lot of energy clearing and cleansing and decluttering, it seems, after after what we've been through over the past two years with the pandemic. How exciting. I can't wait for it. Um, now, before we, we close this beautiful conversation, I have a completely random question about astrology that I always had in my mind. And I've been chatting with a friend just before. When it comes to our birth time, so we can use it to calculate our astrological chart, do we use the time that the head comes out or the whole body comes out?
2: <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, this is a great question. And a lot of people sort of um, connected to this question also have questions around, well, you know, I was a C-section or I was originally intended to be born at this time or all of this kind of stuff. And Um, You know, I don't even know, in the US at least, I don't know that we can get, I guess, unless our birth giver has an exact recollection of that, you know, the birth certificate time, I'm not even sure what it is, if it's just the head or if it's when the whole body comes out, you know, but I would say that I think that what is more, and I don't mean to sort of like Debunk the efficacy of astrology, but I do believe that there's something to be said for your instinctual knowing around what is right, you know, and usually that would I would imagine I have not been a birth giver so I'm not sure but I would imagine that the head is soon followed by the rest of the you know like unless you're stuck, you know, hopefully you're you're getting out of there fairly quickly. So, you know, usually the rising sign wouldn't change and the degrees wouldn't change, you know, terribly much between different planets. Um, you know, maybe there might, might be something that would slip over the edge, but in those kinds of situations where something slips over the edge and you find that with one time you're a different rising or your moon sign shifts, I would say to really follow your intuitive knowing about that. You know, most of us have a sense, and for me, astrology is really about bringing to life a different kind of narration around what we, already know to be true internally. And so I think using your, you know, your own guidance in those kinds of situations, and, you know, with with stuff like C sections, and all this kind of stuff, or, you know, premature birth, all of that, you know, I'd say, like I say, for all kind of mystical modalities, I think, like, like, the truth will kind of out, you know, what's what's sort of meant to, to occur in terms of the archetypal story finds its way. So I think getting kind of lost in like the little sort of nitty gritty of whether it's here or here, if there's a big question about it, go into your own, you know, inner knowing about that, I think. And I think you'll, you'll find, you know, you'll find the right moon sign or you'll find the right, you know, correct degree of the rising, all of those kinds of things, what you know to be true for yourself.
0: Thank you. That definitely puts my neurosis at ease. (laughs) A few months ago, I was calling my, (laughs) my pediatrician and like asking, like, uh, do you know the time I was born? Do you have any, because my mom remembers the time but i I wanted to be sure as a perfectionist and the the doctor just started laughing at me i'm like no i don't
2: (laughs) yeah yeah you're gonna lean into that pisces moon and just let it be yes just let it go
0: (laughs) and now my my best friend is about to give birth and so i'm training her husband i'm like i want you to keep an eye out two times when the head comes out and then when the body comes out he just stares at me (laughs) like what are you talking about
2: Yeah, I would say all of this is like about cosmic context, context rather than control. And so it's just a bringing to life of a story that's already innate within us and giving it different language. And so when it starts to feel controlled, when it starts to feel grippy, um, not that it's wrong, it's not a problem. But, you know, I think that there's, again, just like 2022's astrology presents, there's perhaps a more easeful bodysuit engagement with astrology that's possible.
0: Yes. Oh my goodness. Bess, I've enjoyed this conversation so much. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Can you please let let everyone know where they can get the book from and where they can get in touch with you?
2: Yeah. So you can get the book wherever books are sold. I'm not going to advocate for one platform over another because we all know that there's a big behemoth of... Book selling that happens on the internet through one particular site, but you can get it there and you can get it elsewhere. Um, and then you can find me uh, on my website at justbestmatasa.com uh, and on Instagram at the same. And I offer one on one sessions and mentorships and uh, lots lots of other nuggets and have a little astrological podcast as well. Um, that's not time based. that's just sort of like thematics for the month ahead. So you can definitely use this as that podcast potentially is an accompaniment um, for your journey through the book. And thanks so much for having me.
0: Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. wishing you a love the rest of your day.
2: Thank you for listening to the Lit Up Lightworker Podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at George Lizos to grab your free Lightworker Survival Guide and catch the next live episode.
1: Hold up. What was that?